Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. Suicide prevention has recently become part of the broader school safety and security topic. Based on some of the tragedies experienced across the country recently, it's become clear that mental health issues and suicide are part of what needs to be looked at in relation to making schools a safe and healthy environment for students. To help us understand more about this topic, our guest today is the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant awarded to the Pennsylvania Office of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services at the Department of Human Services. Her name is Dr. Perry Rosen. Welcome, Dr. Rosen. Thank you for having me. Such an important and big topic for everyone to understand, but as we look at the school and education audience, so many details and layers for the school leaders to understand and the parents and community at at large as well. So let's just jump in. Why is it important to involve students when creating positive messaging around mental health? Well, I think especially with what we've seen at the national level over the past year, youth voice and youth leadership has just been so incredibly impactful, um, especially around the issues that really impact youth. So school safety, mental health, suicide, all of those pieces. Student involvement is really something that a lot of schools are very focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Through the grant work that I've done at the state level, we've partnered with some organizations in Pennsylvania, like the Jana Marie Foundation and Avidum. And what they've really done is engage youth to um, be involved more in awareness campaigns in their schools, to start clubs, to really use their voice to engage their peers around these difficult topics. And they've had a lot of success and are really making a lot of headway uh, in schools around the state. Um, Something else that we have done in partnership with Prevent Suicide PA, that's our statewide association, Mm -hmm. is that we have an annual PSA contest for students every year. And students are able to um, create a poster image, a video clip, an audio clip, and um, this is something that we give a lot of guidance around in terms of safe messaging. Um, It's focused on high school students, and they can submit to this contest where we then have a voting process and identify um, winners each year. And then those messages are promoted in various ways. We have a lot of different awareness events. Um, We've partnered with some uh, baseball teams. We also have um, a day that we do Capital Day in Harrisburg where the students get to come and they really get to share what it meant to them to be part of this effort. Great. And so the ways that schools can encourage that is just to be open to these various programs and contests and have that available in the schools then, would you say? Absolutely. That's how they can help support that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this contest in particular is open to all high school students throughout the Commonwealth. Any school can can participate. And even beyond that, if students aren't participating, they can still access any of the PSAs at any time. They're all available on the Prevent Suicide PA website. So they can use these, you know, if they're doing um, education for students in the school or if they want to do an awareness campaign or um, September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, so sometimes they Mm want to use that then. And this is all, you know, messages that have been developed by students, so it really can be impactful for schools to access and utilize this. It's going to resonate with the student populace that way. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So we talk about suicide prevention and 
And so then going to the word intervention, how effective is early intervention in the suicide prevention efforts that a school would have the ability to impact? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we hear a lot from schools that they're seeing you know, suicidal thoughts and behaviors as having their onset earlier and earlier. They're, okay. they're talking about this as something they see in their elementary students. Mm. Um, but even beyond that, I mean, there's a lot that schools can do to be proactive and preventive in these efforts. Um, in the field of suicide prevention, mm-hmm. there's a lot of focus right now on upstream approaches where we're thinking about, you know, even prior to the onset of suicidal thoughts and behaviors, what can we do, especially in a school setting, to reduce the risk factors for suicide and increase okay. the protective factors. And schools are already doing doing a lot of these things through their multi-tiered models like MTSS and PBIS. Um, This really fits right in with a lot of the universal approaches that schools are taking. Um, A lot of schools are thinking about social-emotional learning and teaching healthy coping and teaching help-seeking, you know, to their elementary students. And um, that's something that they're seeing as, you know, really putting in place as early as possible and really fits with what suicide prevention, with the, what the field is thinking in terms of going upstream with these efforts. So it's more of a, that approach is sort of coming at it from a way of equipping the students at a really early age. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, one of the interventions that has seen some of the most impactful outcomes around suicidal thoughts and behaviors is not actually a suicide prevention program. It's the Good Behavior Game, which has been really well researched, and it's um, really more of like a classroom management intervention. And when they studied it, they implemented in first and second grade. And they followed those students longitudinally and found that in their late teens, early 20s, they had um, significantly reduced um, ideation and attempts as compared to students that didn't receive that intervention. And really what that has focused on is, you know, pro-social behaviors, um, you know, rule-following types of behaviors, try Mm -hmm. and reduce aggression in the classroom. Um, So things that we would focus on with our elementary students anyway, but happens to have that long-term impact on some of these negative outcomes. Wow. Okay. So for the administrators, for the school leaders, for the educators, and even for parents and other community members, what do suicide warning signs look like in students? And perhaps that's obviously going to be different based on the age of the student, but can Mm -hmm. you give us a sense of that? Yeah, and we do have some empirically derived um, warning signs for youth, and Mm -hmm. I can certainly share that there on um, a new website, youthsuicidewarningsigns.org. Okay. Um, But really, I I mean, it can be things like making direct or indirect statements, and that's something we see across the lifespan. Um, With youth, maybe we see a little bit more these days on social media. Okay. um, And some more indirect, um, sometimes even like using emojis, or it could be in drawings, or it could be in a writing assignment where they're talking about this. Um, anytime that anyone's kind of taking an action, we call it kind of like a preparatory act and um, researching a method or things like that. Those are, you know, very, some of the more obvious warning signs. Mm -hmm. But then we also know that it can be really like a change in behavior for what's really out of character for someone that would, you know, as adults have us a little bit worried, Mm -hmm. um, seeing something that's just not like them, whether it's, you know, a change in mood, increasing hopelessness where we're seeing them withdraw from things that they used to like to do, um, not replacing that with anything else, mm-hmm. um, just increasingly isolated or, you know, making statements that they feel like things are never going to get better for them. Um, and then it can also be things like sleeping too much or sleeping too little and some of those indicators that could also, you know, signify depression or other mental health problems that are starting to emerge. So it sounds like 
It requires being tuned in to the pattern of behavior, whether it be you know a parent being tuned in or an, mm-hmm. or one of the teachers being tuned in to the behavior of a child in their classroom or mm-hmm. seeing really noticing those differences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the warning signs can be seen in someone that you don't know very well, but especially mm-hmm. um, because a lot of them do kind of represent a change from how that person typically acts. You know, certainly the people involved in that student's life are really well positioned to pick up on those things when they know what those warning signs are. Sure. Okay. In addition to the efforts at school, how can parents and other members of the community contribute to suicide prevention efforts? And it sounds like obviously what you've just described, being tuned in and being aware and just paying attention to those signs. But are there other efforts that can be happening to contribute to the suicide prevention efforts around young people? Sure. I mean, I think um, I think schools have, have struggled with this. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot out there from a research standpoint in terms of, you know, interventions and approaches for parents specifically that schools okay. can take. But mm-hmm. parent education is a component of SAMHSA's model, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at the federal level. Mm-hmm. They have a model for what schools can do to prevent suicide, and it's really taking a comprehensive approach. And parent education is actually cited as a key component of that comprehensive model. And so the trainings that a lot of schools are engaging in now because of Act 71, for example, and with Act Mm -hmm. 44, you know, a lot of that same information that's delivered to teachers can also be shared with parents. And a lot of schools are starting to think about, you know, how can we, you know, do a parent education night or what information can we share with parents about this? Um, Another way that schools are engaging families and communities is really through the efforts of students as well. So when you know schools work with students to establish those awareness clubs or you know if they're involved in these campaigns or you know putting out PSAs, they'll sometimes you know really engage families and community members. Um, I can share an example of how um, one of the winning PSAs from a few years back it was in Lidditz, the community actually used that in their local movie theater where they Uh showed the winning PSA before every movie in that theater for a whole month. And so they were really, you know, kind of bridging that school community gap and, you know, putting that out there for for the community to access. That's a really good example, bringing it right, you know, right into the spaces where the general public that may or may not have connections to a student Mm -hmm. or a youth, but bringing that entire community, Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. Interesting. So either in your experience as project director for the Garrett Lee Smith Federal Grant or in other experiences, what programs have you seen that have you've noticed have been particularly effective and identifying students who are at risk for suicide? So I think more than any one particular program, it's more that the schools that are willing to take a comprehensive approach to this okay. are seeing the most success. So um, when we think about Act 71 and the requirements for the policy and the training of certain staff members, you know that is something that we've seen as a really great starting point for what schools can do. But mm-hmm. you know, beyond just sort of checking the box and saying, "Okay, we did," you know, we did our four hours. You know, we're good. We met the requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the schools that have really been more invested in making that something ongoing, offering regular refreshers for staff, not just training staff from 6 to 12, 12th grades, but um, training all of their teaching staff and all of their support staff and thinking about, you know, what student education they might want to consider and putting these clubs in place and really, you know, taking this multifaceted approach. And 
we have done some work in helping schools to think about suicide prevention from a multi-tiered standpoint of, you know, what are you doing for the entire school community at the universal level versus what additional training or education are you providing for those students that are at risk or um, for your school mental health professionals or SAP teams that do those risk assessments. And what are you mm-hmm. doing in terms of your crisis response? And so, you know, it's, it's just kind of considering all of those different components where schools are really best equipped to deal with this and then kind of recognizing that this is this is a area of priority that you know needs to be addressed in that kind of manner okay so the newly implemented safe to say something anonymous reporting system from the attorney general's office just launched january 14th um, implemented as part of act 44 of 2018 how can this program be used as a suicide prevention tool so if a youth is having thoughts of suicide and really isn't sure where to turn or if their peer or family member um, is concerned about them and not sure where to go, you know, Safe to Say is a great new resource that's available and they have the ability to connect those individuals with local county crisis and that's kind of the, the approach that they're taking right now. If someone calls or provides a tip, they are making those connections to the county who is then equipped to do a risk assessment or offer local resources or you know, whatever avenues need to be taken next. Um, You know, we, so, so that's absolutely a resource that can be used. um, But we do, you know, really want to encourage youth in schools to connect with trusted adults directly, you know, so if they're struggling, um, you know, to to go to someone they they trust, a teacher or a school counselor, Mm -hmm. school psychologist, um, or a parent, And um, there's also some national resources, in addition to just going directly to county crisis lines, um, that we also have promoted a lot, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is um, 1-800-273-8255. Or um, there's also a national text line, the crisis text line, which is um, if someone texts 741741, they'll be able to get connected directly to a crisis counselor that's equipped to address, you know, these types of issues. So um, safe to say is also connected to these avenues. And certainly if students don't have those direct lines, then safe to say can also get them there. Okay. As a channel. Mm -hmm. Okay. How are suicide prevention efforts linked to issues such as bullying and the larger issue of school safety and security? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that um, what we would like for schools to really think about is how, you know, suicide really isn't an isolated issue. Right. And so, you know, things like school safety, the climate of a school building, you know, having connectedness, you know, within the building, those are really important protective factors for suicide risk. And um, addressing school safety and issues like bullying, I mean, those are you know, significant risk factors. So I think, you know, we want to help schools see how these things are all connected and that, you know, doing suicide prevention trainings and education is important, but that when they engage in all these other types of programs in their school buildings, that is also, you know, in a way, and again, kind of connected to that upstream approach, you know, bullying prevention, you know, from an upstream standpoint can also be viewed as suicide prevention. If you're addressing the issue of bullying with it being such a huge risk factor, you're also preventing suicide by doing that. So we want to help schools see how all of these things are really interconnected. And, you know, by investing efforts in, in this one thing, it's also, you know, putting 
you know, that effort into the suicide prevention. That program. makes a lot of sense. They're not isolated or separate mm-hmm. issues. They're really, inter- can be interconnected, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. Well, it sounds like there is so much more that we could discuss about this topic. I'm sure, I know that there is. But I want to thank you for uh, being with us today to help us better understand a complicated, potentially tragic topic. You offered up a lot of resources during conversation, and so I do want to let listeners know that those resources will be available on our website. So first of all, thank you, Dr. Rosen, for sharing all of these great insights with us. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, I encourage you to go to our website at keyedradio.org for more information and resources supporting today's discussion. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.